You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway's successes are in Times Square. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Somebody, I saw somebody on social media being like, this was Skype's moment. Where is Skype for business? <laughs> I <saw> that. <laughs> oh, I had a really good chuckle over that. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, you had one thing to do, Skype, and everybody is using Zoom as a verb instead. And, yeah, well, and honestly, we still use <laughs> Skype as well, but we still Zoom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'll Skype you. What's the Zoom meeting? Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, everyone, welcome to our to Theater Geeks Anonymous. Welcome. <laughs> this is going to be a mini-sode, so we're not going to talk about a... Mini-sode, so mini-sode. we're not going to talk about a full episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to talk about a full episode? Is that what you said? That's what I said. That's what I sang. <laughs> That's what you sang. I, I finished what I thought your sentence was where it was going. Since I interrupted you with songs. <laughs> I, was, I was going to say yeah, it's I'm not sorry. gonna be a full episode. <laughs> but it could still be long. I mean everybody knows how we do. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> Our, I think the last few minisodes have been Major An hour, third. yeah, totally. <laughs> you don't know. It's, there's no intermission. It's not no. 15 minutes. It's not anymore. Well, because no. all the rules are gone. Yeah, no rules. There are no rules. No, we're just we're just doing what we want because intermissions <laughs> don't exist right now. That's the, what that, intermissions don't exist right now. That's true. So we are just taking the forum that we've been given in this time of need. <laughs> oh man yeah okay before we get started because tell me uh i watched hamilton for the first time yeah yeah and i I haven't watched this so much more i will say because the screener it's still not my favorite 
soundtrack. Mm -hmm, And we mm -hmm. talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I was always able to appreciate the incredible work. Yeah, yeah. The incredible, intricate work that was put into the score. Like, that is, that's a non-starter. Like, that period. Yeah, yeah. However, now having seen it, the context of yeah. that music and the context of those words was, oh my God, it like really blew me away. Yeah. It's yeah. a really beautiful show. Yeah. It's a great show. I haven't watched the, the Disney plus, um, screening. Uh, I, up as it was coming up, like uh, tons of my friends were texting me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like, <laughs> Sure, I was going to be just as excited as they were. Um, and like, like I saw it on Broadway. <laughs> well, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. It's just like, you know, things don't always translate. Like the power. Oh, completely. The, like, you know, and so like, and, and also uh, the director of the musical directed the screen version and it's his first time directing a screen version of anything. And so I am not the type of fan who thinks that everyone that I love is infallible. No, right. you're fallible. Absolutely. I, I will admit when you have failed, <laughs> like you're well, never you, going to get a yeah. rosy colored, like everything you do is perfect <laughs> word for me. As, you well, just you won't. Shouldn't. I mean, that's, that's, I think right. that's uh, authentic, but you and I are both the same in that we have very high expectations yeah. of other people around us. So I, and having not seen the actual stage production, yeah, my reaction to the show itself was one that actually, I mean, it's, I will say because it is a filmed stage production. Yeah it's probably better than you think it is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but because I, ha- I don't have anything to compare it to, right. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. So I don't know how you'll feel about it. I don't think they did a bad job though. I will say that there are some areas where I wanted to see the whole stage, yeah, yeah. but you were kind of, you were forced to go where the camera went. So that's the only thing that I was real, you know, at even just the tiniest bit disappointed in, but even that wasn't really, I, you know, I wasn't even, even that didn't disappoint the whole experience for me. Okay. I mean, I, I haven't heard. Yeah. None of my friends so far have been, um, you know, negative about it. Uh, which is good. That's good. Um, but yeah, I just, I was bursting bubbles left and right the whole week. <laughs> I was like, how do you people not know me? And you just assume you, yeah. you ought to know first thing you cannot assume what reaction you're going to get from me on like literally anything. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> so this assumption that I'm just going to be like over the moon, super excited outside yeah. my mind, you, you should put that to bed. I mean, I just was, I was like a mean clown. <laughs> I, I feel you though, because I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the shows that, and you know what, honestly, I will yeah. be talking with my friend Juliet about this. Yeah. I was, I was excited to tell you that I finally watched it. Because I'm so proud of you though, for watching it. I'm proud that you and liked it a lot again. and I'm proud that you, you get it now. Yeah. Oh no, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I did get it, but there was, you know, there is a disconnect when you only see one yeah, part yeah. of a show, but anyway, 
um, I was talking with Juliet about this and she, and I was like, you know how I am. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I do. I was like, <laughs> that's how she starts the conversation. That's how I I love you. Exactly. You know how I am. I said, when something is intensely popular, I yeah. shy away from it. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with the hype. And so because Hamilton has been that way since its inception, yeah, yeah. Yes, I want to see it. And yes, I appreciate and yes, I love Lynn Manuel Miranda and I love yeah. his stuff. But it, there's something about it being so popular that yeah. I just don't want a part of. Like, and, and is that, I mean, it's yeah. such a silly thing. No, to, that's real. But it's, it's real. real. No, totally. I had, I had this conversation with, um, I have a handful of friends who, when I told them it was going to be a big deal and they need to get tickets now, they listened to me. Yeah. And so one set of friends who, I mean, they, they hardcore love the show now, but they were like, oh, all the hype. I was like, listen, <laughs> please know I love you and I understand. Yeah. Like I can give you all the space and grace for that because so often people will hype stuff up to me and I'm like, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. I don't know why we're like peeing our pants over this. Right. I said, but you guys, <laughs> you guys just go. And when it hits you, because it will <laughs> text me immediately, honest to God, they're in intermission. And they text me, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm like, okay. See, like, this is the, this is yeah. one of the few things in your life. I, I promise like, you're not going to be disappointed. Um, but Tell most of the too. time, frankly, I am disappointed most yeah, no, of the time, completely. you know? So I was like, listen, I'm, I'm not mad at you. I get it. You know, that's, yeah. that's valid. Yeah. So uh, it's just, and I just want to say one more thing and then we can yeah, yeah. the episode. I was going to say I had a funny story. Oh, good. I want to hear it. I just want to say Philippa Sue is yeah. stunning. Stunning. Did you see? Point. On social media, hmm. oh my God, Pamela, it's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> There's this tiny little Asian girl who couldn't be more than like two and a half. Mm -hmm. Did you see it? I did, but keep telling the story for our listeners. Okay, and so <laughs> the, the sweet baby angel is watching Hamilton, okay? And Pippa comes on and she looks at the screen at the computer and she points and she says, she looks like me. And then her brother is like picking on her or whatever. And she's like, no, no, it's me. It's me. <laughs> and then her mom is like, who, where? And she points to Philippa Sue and she says, and her mom is like, that her, is that you? And the little girl goes, yeah. I love that. Was this so is why cute. representation is so important. It really is. Oh, it makes me so happy to see these little stories. <laughs> so cute. I just, <laughs> I watched it five or six times. It's, she's and squealed adorable. every time. She's yeah. really cute. She's real cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Funny story? Yeah. So my, I had, you know, you wake up and you're like, this dream was weird, but also a lot of fun. Yes. Okay, so I had this dream last night. Okay, first of all, everyone knows Ebony is not an actor. Okay, <laughs> not an actor. So this will never happen and really makes no sense. So I'm in a, a production of In the Heights. 
just know yes i do know like pretty much every word to all the songs oh yeah so (laughs) same (laughs) and so i'm in the show knew all the words to the songs right that wasn't the problem um so first the first part of the dream my boss i work for an ad agency is directing the musical (laughs) okay he doesn't know anything about theater like, my boss is this really nice French man, doesn't know anything about theater. I tell him what I'm doing. He's like, good job. He doesn't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea. But he's very nice, and he lets me do what I need to do. So in this dream, he's, like, directing this. He's directing In the Heights. But then he's, like, throwing in songs. At the, this is our last rehearsal before performance. He's just, like, throwing in some Cole Porter songs here and there. And we're just trying to like learn stuff on the fly. And I was like, what is happening? They're literally just handing us scores at the last minute. And yes. we're all trying to learn them and come up with choreography. Okay. Ebony, you had an actor's nightmare. Is that what that was? We, yes. I mean, we were doing it. We were getting it together. Yes. But, I, but our steps, our dancing was not, was lots of box steps. It's an actor's nightmare. I love that you had one. <laughs> So, okay. So then, then it's, again, it's the night of the show and I'm like, okay, my costume, what am I going to wear? So (laughs) I go into my boss's office. All of a sudden, my boss is not my boss. The the director is now Lauren Hill. (laughs) Okay. That would not be so bad for in the house. No, that wouldn't be so bad. That'd be pretty great. And so I go into what's now Lauren Hill's office. And I'm like telling her what I want to wear for my costume. She tells me the show set in the eighties. And I was like, since when, <laughs> since when is in the Heights set in the eighties? She's like, no, it is. And so I like tell her, I, okay, I'll adjust my costume this much. And so I tell her what I'm going to do. And her way of approving my costume is to turn on the song ready or not by the Fugees and dance to it. So we're dancing in her office to ready or not by the Fugees. And then I woke up. Amazing. <laughs> oh, it reminds me of my own actor's nightmare that I had a couple of weeks ago. Which what was that one? <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> so mine was that um, I was asked to fill in the last second for Phantom of the Opera. Oh, no. But it was for my own track, like the word okay. confidant track. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. It's, it's only been 10 years or longer, <laughs> probably longer at this point. Uh, no, yeah, 10 years. Exactly. Anyway. So I get there and I was like, okay, no, I can totally do this. So I'm thinking it through and I'm going through everything, but then I look and I don't have any makeup and I was like, okay. So, um, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. So I asked my friend Tana who was in the show with me, but is also a current friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tana, can I please use your makeup? I don't have to use the eye stuff, but like maybe some lipstick or something. And she goes, yeah, yeah, just use my whole caboodle. And so I opened up the caboodle. There are three lipsticks and they are all shades of brown. <laughs> so, okay, great. So I use like one on my lips and I use one for, for my old age makeup. And I was like, uh-huh. okay, this is, it's fine. I can do this. Then I look over, I have no, uh, no bobby pins. So I can't do my prep for the wig. Uh, but that's okay because I can't find the wig room and then I don't have a costume, <laughs> but I have tights. I just don't have a corset. So I put on my tights and I wrap myself in the robe and I'm thinking, I guess I'll just put the costume on without a corset. 
And so I go and I'm looking, but there's nothing there. And then this like random person comes running in like stagehand running in with a costume, not my costume, but a <laughs> costume. And he goes, here's your, um, here, here's your costume. Put this on. I was like, okay, great. And so I put it on. And the only reason it won't fit me is because I don't have a corset, but then we suddenly like get it on. And I'm like, great. Okay. It's fine. It'll work. And so like, I'm getting ready for my entrance and another rando comes over and they're like, uh, your prop. And I was like, I'm sorry. I, it's been a long time since I've done this. I, I, you know, and so he hands me this like bouquet of flowers, which isn't actually in the show, but whatever, that's beside the point. Cause this is a nightmare, right? And so I'm holding this bouquet of flowers. This is where it gets weird. It this says, is where it gets weird. <laughs> this is where, okay. This is where. I'm holding this bouquet of flowers and it suddenly turns into a cheeseburger and it's so hot that it is burning my hands. And so I put it onto the counter <laughs> to like get it out of my hands. And I'm still getting ready for my entrance with another cast member from Phantom comes over. Her name is Ann Kanagizer. She goes, Pamela, ooh, a cheeseburger. That looks really good. We should eat that. And I was like, Ann, it's a prop. And she's like, eh. And starts so eating the cheeseburger. We, we ate the cheeseburger. And then I woke up. It was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody just wants a cheeseburger. Maybe that's Maybe. really what it's all that's about. It it's, it's not about <laughs> acting. It's not about being put on the spot or feeling out of control. Just you want a cheeseburger. Way. No stress. There's no stress in my life. I just want a cheeseburger. Just want a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. That's fun. That's hysterical. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Okay, now that we've told our acting nightmares by one actor and one non-actor, <laughs> at least Pamela's nightmare is legitimate. Mine, I don't know what in the world. Listen, they all come from just a place of insecurity. I guess so. So funny. I know. I mean, with all the stuff he was throwing at us, I mean, I was still killing it. We were That's all awesome. still killing it. I mean, our choreography was mad, but like not our fault because he told us at the last seconds, we're like, okay. But all, I had had a dream a couple of weeks before where I was, it was, that one was really quite terrifying because yeah. I, I did, I didn't, I was like, I don't think I know all of my part, but oh. at least this time it was like a collective, like uh, the whole yeah, like cast was like, what is boat. happening? Yeah. 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 Those are always better. Yeah, so much better. So much better. <laughs> okay, now we're going to talk about theater in the time of COVID. Okay, nice. friends, um, this episode, we're going to break down, like I said, moves and closures, but also I want to empower you um, to help the community because here's the thing. We've been, you guys have been listening to this podcast Pamela and I have been making this podcast. Mm -hmm. And if we say that we're true lovers of the theater and it's going through its hardest time right now, then we yes. need to really be about supporting it. And so this episode uh, will hopefully give you some websites and some tools to like know what you can do to help the theater community um, at, I won't say at large, cause I mostly, mostly focused on New York city, but a few of these, um, a few of these uh, websites and Instagram handles and such can also help the mm -hmm. theater at large. Yeah. Okay. So now for the Broadway uh, closures and moves. So I'm going to go to moves first. Now everybody knows 
the Broadway League announced that the shutdown will continue until January 3rd of 2021. Yes. Um, I watched um, Metro Focus, which is a news show that is particular to New York City. Um, it's on PBS on Channel 13. On P um, what do we just? It's just called 13. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it's called. And um, so Charlotte St. Martin, who is the president of the Broadway League, she was on there and she was talking about the, the continuation of the shutdown. And um, it was an interesting conversation that um, they, like she said, she is cautiously hopeful. Mm -hmm. um, they have like 15 task forces that have been running for a while. Um, but they're really mostly thinking about how to get Broadway back to where it was before. Mm -hmm. And um, I went back to um, theater, I'm sorry, Three on the Isle, which is a podcast that um, is produced by the uh, American Theater Magazine. And Three on the Isle has three um, Broadway critics, uh, Elizabeth Vincentelli, Terry Teachout, and the third gentleman's name will come to me any second, but they're all quite well known. Um, and they had the, the young man who started uh, Play Purview. And I'm telling you all, I, I really recommend you listening to that episode because he has the right attitude about theater. He sees this as a moment of innovation, which so do I. Um, and I'm finding this is the perfect moment to really be changing things, not just racially, but also from a financial model and a mm. business model standpoint. Um, no time in history has theater been shut down for so long. So for us to really get a wider perspective on what theater can look like, what it can be, who can be a part of it, yeah. um, it is really, this is a perfect moment for that. So I really think we need to be thinking outside of the box and how we make a more equitable uh, theater community um, from, from all aspects. And, and so um, mm -hmm. I'm really encouraged by what, you know, the people in my age group and younger are creating and the way that their brains are working in this time. Totally. Because I think we have a lot to look forward to. Um, change is good. <laughs> yes, it is, especially yeah. in within the arts, because the yeah. arts should mirror what is going on currently. Yeah. And for a long, long time, it has been a, a reflection on the water. Yeah, yeah. But but not a true mirror reflection. Right, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Peter Marks is the other critic, by the Thank way. Thank you. I just looked it up <laughs> for you. You know, Thank it actually... You. The way that you were talking, it kind of, it makes me think of how, you know, how sometimes you're, you've got so you've got your, all your windows up in your uh, computer and you're working, but your computer is like super slow and, and then it stops and it's like, you get the spinning wheel of death and you're like, come yes. on. And so you shut down the computer and reboot it, but yes. when you reboot it, all the windows are still there and your problem is still there. But yeah. so instead you have to close out all the windows and then reboot the whole thing. And then you start from scratch. And so I right. think that's kind of the attitude that we need to come to this with. We do. And yep. say, this system is broken. And this is something in our country that we can 
change and shape from fresh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We can. Um, I, I just want to encourage people to not be sad or upset or, um, necessarily angry about what's happening. Be that in, in a productive way where you're really working hard to make sure that all of these majestic theater professionals that we have who don't have work, um, put all of that energy into helping them find work and, and make work and supporting the work that they're making, but also like with legislature and, and, um, getting them the financial support that they really need. So, so put all of that energy into a different bucket. Don't put it into being upset that things are going to change because they really need to. Um, all right. So here's, here are the moves. The music fan, everyone knows Hugh Jackman, Sutton Foster. (laughs) That's now Beetlejuice was closing early. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's only because I will say it's not Scott you written. and Sutton's fault. No, it's not. This is the thing. It's going to be a beautiful production. I think it is yeah. simply because it is attached to who it is attached to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that sound from me. Yes, we we both have the same feeling about this person. <laughs> we do. So I'm pretty sure everyone can just guess if they've listened to enough episodes what we're talking about. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So the music man is going to now open March, 2021, uh, flying over sunset, which was a Lincoln center production, which was like this odd new musical with like Cary Grant and two other famous people. And they were on LSD. I don't know. Oh my goodness. It was crazy. Um, it's now going to open spring, 2021. It's projected to so far. Caroline or change got moved to March, 2021, which I did state in a previous episode, but then it was funny because I said that. And then the next day it was officially announced. It was like my brain just knew. I don't know. You made it happen. I made it happen because we really wanted Caroline or change to come back. So we're very happy. Uh, Plaza suite, um, is moved to March, 2021 birthday candles, uh, which is the, um, roundabout theater play that was going to star Deborah Messing will still star Deborah Messing as of right now. And that's oh, wow. moved to fall 2021 oh, wow. at the okay. American airlines theater. Um, and then 1776 directed by Diane Paulus. Um, that as well, uh, is moving to spring of 2021. I had, um, Another dream, not an actor's nightmare, but another dream involving 1776. It was the <laughs> night. It was the night that I watched Hamilton. Okay, and that then I makes went sense. to bed. But here's the thing: it wasn't Hamilton that I was dreaming about. It was 1776. Right. No, and that still tracks. I couldn't get out of my mind was okay. It's Abigail Adams, and who is the other woman in the cast? Who is the other woman character? And I couldn't get it. I was like Abigail Adams and. Uh, and it's Martha Wash. It's Martha, Martha something. Shoot, not Martha not Washington. Washington. Martha something. Jefferson. <laughs> I just forgot again. But anyway, but like that was what was, and it was continual. I could not get out of the 1776 loop, <laughs> and I don't even like 1776. I think it is like male privilege 
yeah. to the nth degree yeah. and I hate it. It's not great. It makes I, me angry. I think that um, they're trying to do so New York City Center did the um, uh, they did the concert. I mean, their their concerts are like it's almost a full production. What they do is really incredible. Um, but they did that last season yeah. of 1776, and it was um, I did not see it. So like, just everybody <laughs> know that I didn't see it. Yeah. But um, it was it was the casting was more diverse. So it wasn't a bunch of white men on stage, but I'll be honest, when I mm. heard it was happening, I was like, well, you're just trying to capitalize off what happened with yeah. Hamilton. Well, and, and like, I, I know, continue to a, feel this way. A female director doesn't necessarily make your play more feminist. No. Dumb. Yeah, I'm... Martha Jefferson. It is Martha Jefferson. Martha Jefferson. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> oh, um, it's just one of those. And it's like, ugh. It's yeah. so, it's like self-indulgent. I mean, and it's I, whiny I'm, and narcissistic, and I just—I'm very hate curious, it. especially right now with like all the Confederate statues coming down, and like yeah. what we've got going on with like the Mississippi flag um, changing, and things of this nature. Like, yeah. how is this going to play nowadays? And um, in the task force, or not the task force, our think tank, um, we've been having a lot of conversations about like this idea of why do we continue to do revivals mm. and then try to make them more right. um instead of just doing new palatable material. right right no that is such a good point yeah yeah because yeah. that's i you know and there is a risk mm -hmm. but and and i will also say that it is more of a risk to do something unknown than mm -hmm. it is to do something that's known and has a following mm -hmm. but this is theater. Like, yeah. if we can't be creative and take risks in theater, right. where can we? Well, totally. And all of these, these shows that people want to be reviving, I mean, they were new at one mm -hmm. point. So it's like you, in order for theater to continue, you have to be willing right. to take risks and produce new work. And, and I really think it is, seats. you really do. And, um, you know, speaking of that, it's really interesting because uh, the We See You White American Theater um, came out with a list of demands and it's 31 pages and it's Whoa. pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, it's remarkable. <laughs> um, I really suggest that you all uh, read, read it. It's, it's um, very thorough, very well written. Um, and I think, I think it's going to change what's revived and if things are revived because mm -hmm. of what they're asking and all of the individuals that have signed their names to promising not to do work that does not follow these demands. Wow. I mean, you have really heavy hitters like Lynn is on there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Um, so going down that same path, honestly, so, okay. The musical adaptation of Some Like It Hot. It's, God. Right? Seriously? Yes, yes. Wait, there wasn't there, there already was a musical adaptation of that. Wasn't it called like Sugar Babies or something? 
Google that. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I know this one, uh, it's going to be uh, directed and choreographed by Casey Nicola. Okay. Um, it was supposed to go to Chicago's Cadillac Palace Theater. Um, but now it's going to be, it's going to go directly to Broadway. I mean, I worry about this because we're having, this is a similar situation we had with Tootsie, you know, mm-hmm. where. Yes. Where you've got two white dudes dressing yeah. up like women so that they can get the privilege that they yeah. think that women have. Yeah. It doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not coming up. Okay. So I might be wrong. It might be just another one of those 50s movies. Okay. But anyway. Ugh. Yeah. Just, ugh. I know, girl. You know I know. You know I agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and like the idea, the, here's the thing though. It's like we, the device that made it outrageous in yeah. 1959 yeah. was that this woman was falling for what she thought was another woman. Yeah. But that's not outrageous anymore. No, and it's we not. We should not continue making stuff like that be outrageous. Agreed. There are so, so many other different, you know, devices and plot, you know, plot and and other stories that need to be told. How about the story that the woman falls in love with the woman, and that's yeah. really that's really exciting and fun. That's the actual. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there you go. I know. Lord I know. We have enough of those with the with the guy being whatever age and race and well, maybe not race, but like whatever age and uh, state of health and blah blah blah, marrying the twenty something beautiful blonde bombshell yeah. that fits into society's accepted uh, pretty. But you don't ever have that story told in just a human way. Yeah. Yeah. So how about let's make that outrageous? I know. <laughs> Sorry. I'm getting on my soapbox. No, it's good. It it's good, good because like I, he, my hope is that this list I'm giving you, some of these you should be really excited about. Okay. Um, but, you know, some of these I'm hoping things change. I mean, the music man is extremely white. Like it's yes. just so white. I mean, you can have um, your tokens in there, but. Yeah. I mean, as a, I mean, I don't know that I mean, it. I, well, I don't know if you would ever. Cause see. it, I don't know if it was fully cast before everything shut down, but it's oh, just I like. See. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It could, it, you know, it's, but so far for what I knew is just, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, people aren't excited. It's interesting. <laughs> well, and it's, it makes me think of the Pearl Bailey version of Hello Dolly. Yes. Where essentially it's the same show just told with black faces. Yeah, with, yeah. With black people playing those I, roles instead. I, as a kid, okay, so we did Hello Dolly my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Theater audience, let me just preference. I do <laughs> like Carol Channing, but you guys, I could not. I was like, I knew I was going to have to listen to this cast recording oh, repeatedly. I and I was like, I can't listen to her. 
yeah, I can't no. do it. it she's so guess what I am well versed in? The Pearl Bailey version. Yeah, she's wonderful. Because her voice I could listen to repeatedly. Yeah. And not feel like somebody was scraping a chalkboard. I am sorry. Yes. That no, is what Carol though. sounded she's like. She's hysterical and she's wonderful to watch. But yeah. just to listen to the just disembodied to listen, voice of Carol Channing is it's, it's hard. hard. <laughs> so I listen to Pearl. And yes. you know what else? Because like being a young theater kid and at that time, like acting, but, but being, you know, the token, one of the few, it was like my, myself and my cousin, Ben, honest to God, I kid you not. <laughs> it was the two of us. Okay. The little chocolate drops. Okay. <laughs> and so, so listening to her made me feel like what my parents had always told me, which was I could do anything, was mm -hmm. actually true. Oh, and my mom that. didn't know. Uh, huh? No, I think my mom did know Pearl Bailey had done it, but she also liked to listen to it. So when I would play it in the, I had, yeah, I had the CD version. Yeah. When I would play it, my mom was very happy to listen to it because it was yeah. Pearl Bailey and Cab Calloway. There was, uh, I think, and and please correct me if I'm in, if I'm wrong and I might be because I just kind of heard the story and now I'm telling you, mm -hmm. but the story of the Hello Dolly, I think started with Pearl Bailey doing her own version of it on the road when it was first out because I think of segregated houses, but that might yeah. also be wrong, okay. but it was so well received and popular that the uh, audiences asked for it to come to Broadway. And so she brought us to Broadway. And I believe she was up for a Tony for it. She might have actually yeah. won. She did. She, she did, did win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, so like yep. that is truly exciting. Yeah. It's really cool. I, um, yeah, I see, I watched, um, Carmen Jones. Yes. So I knew who Pearl <laughs> Bailey was. Yes. And so when we were at the borders in the, in the, you know, theater section, I had no idea she had ever played Hello Dolly. And so it was there. And I was like, mom, look, my, she <laughs> nerdy theater kid. I was very <laughs> excited that Pearl Bailey had played Hello Dolly. Most kids my age didn't know who that was. When I told my friends, I was like, you guys, I just couldn't do the Carol Channing one. And so I have this one. They were all like, wait, there's another one. They didn't even know. Yeah. There was another one. And a bunch of them had been like, had I known, I'd have gotten that one instead. Well, like, you know, there's a movie too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple, I think a couple of my friends got like the movie Barbara Streisand one. It doesn't but have all the music in it. But yeah, it doesn't. Problem, but yeah. Right, right. And so, and so um, that was part of the problem with that too. But yeah. then when I told them I had this other one, they were just like, some of them were like, well, crap, if I'd have known. <laughs> you know, uh, I've never seen Carmen Jones, but I, I had the soundtrack forever when I was in mm -hmm. high school and I loved it. Yeah, it's great. Loved it. Harry yeah. Bella, Dorothy Dandridge. Yeah. I mean, Nesta. it's not her singing voice, but. I know. Well, it never is in those movies, no. but she's no. gorgeous. Just, just yeah, to see so the, like the still shots of that is really stunning. And all of those CDs would come with the full libretto with all of the pictures. <laughs> Love. Yeah. They don't make them like that anymore. No. Do they even make CDs anymore? I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like sometimes I wonder, so, okay, this is, we're going on a far tangent guys. I'm not going <laughs> to apologize. 
when my sister was moving out of my grandmother's house, we found all of these life, old life magazines my grandmother had. And she had one with Pearl Bailey on the front. Love. As Dolly Levi. And I have a picture of it on my phone. And I was like, you know, my, my uh, mom was passed. So I couldn't be like, mom, you know, (laughs) nobody. And my sister is like, oh, that's cool. You know, nobody. (laughs) Did you keep the, the actual magazine? Oh yeah. Yeah. We still have them. We, I mean, there was like a JF Kennedy one. I mean, she had uh, one with Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, it was crazy. And I think she, it happened because our grandfather was in life magazine. So maybe she got like a couple years subscription because that had happened. Why was he in life magazine? Um, I'll be honest. I'm not super sure why, but there's, he was in it and there's like this wonderful photo of my grandfather. Um, and my mom and uncle were not born yet. Okay. Uh, because they had, my grandmother got pregnant 20 years into their marriage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so the photo is with, um, there's two little kids there, but it's my mom's, I think her, her two cousins or one cousin and then another kid for the from the neighborhood because they were everybody in the neighborhood called my grandmother aunt florence even though she wasn't actually yeah their aunt because they took the kids in for so because again took them 20 years to get pregnant Mm -hmm. so the kids would come over and watch the wonderful world of disney because they were the only people that had a television (laughs) oh i love that yeah but, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if it was because of the farm or what, but we still have like this frame picture of when my grandfather was in life, but cool. Anyway, long, long side story. So going back to, um, what's coming. Yeah. Some like it hot that's happening. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, um, MJ, the Michael Jackson bio musical, um, that's now scheduled for March 8th of 2021, uh, oh. at the Neil Simon theater. Why, I know. Is, why is that still going on? I'm, I'm, mm, I know. I, mm, it's I know. It's just so problematic. It, it is. Uh, it is. <laughs> this is all I can say. <sighs> yeah. Um, but then. Take Me Out, which was meant to come, is now going to come to Broadway March 22nd of 2021, still at the Helen Hayes Theater, still produced by Second Stage. Okay. Um, this is also fun. Okay, Washington, Washington D.C.'s Woolly Mammoth Theater Company has postponed Michael R. Jackson's A Strange Loop, uh, which was originally scheduled to begin performances in September. It's now going to move to summer 2021. Okay. Um, but this is a drum roll, please. It's a Broadway tryout. So it'll probably transfer from the Wool- Woolly Mammoth okay, in DC from to, DC Broadway. to Broadway. Awesome. Yeah. So that's super fun. Sound inside. Sound inside. Mary Louise Parker. Oh yeah. Okay. That's, you know what? That's the picture of the person that I got in my head, but I couldn't pull yes. the name out either. <laughs> okay. She, she was meant to have, um, two plays up. Uh, let's see. Right. 2020. How I learned to drive. 
Okay. So that's coming. How I Learned to Drive with Mary Louise Parker is going to come spring 2021. That's what it was. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, so here are the closures. Some of them we already know, right? Like Frozen's not coming back to Broadway. That's closed for good. Yeah. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I'm really upset. Yeah. That's not coming back. The Hangman, not coming back. Beetlejuice, probably not coming back. Right. Um, Carnegie Hall canceled all of its 2020 programming. Um, the New York City Ballet canceled their fall 2020 season. They're hoping to come back on January 19th, 2021. We'll see. Um, Lincoln, yeah, Lincoln Center, uh, their great performer series. Um, it's canceled through January 26th of 2021. They are hoping to begin February 6, 2021, but we'll see. Okay. And then um, a few spaces in New York City, one that I especially loved and used so, 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 so much. Mm. Shetler Studios, rest yeah. in peace. I love you. I will miss you desperately. Uh, the one that surprised me more than that, though, because Shetler was always such a small studio and it was always kind of on the fringes so you just never knew whether it was going to be open or not and so it is very sad but the one that surprises me the most Theater is works. chelsea chelsea Ch studios is where we had auditions for yes, basically theater everything. works yes yeah theater works yep yep they closed um and then ucb theater we know that, that yeah closed as well so rest in peace yeah theater works that came out this week that yeah. was very sad um, it's all sad. It is. I mean, it's it really just... is. It, this is devastating. This pandemic is devastating. So it I is. think it's so easy to kind of get caught up in what your own issues are within it. Like I wasn't working for four weeks or, you know, I'm back to yeah. work, but now I'm afraid that I'll get sick or, you know, it's very easy to kind of stay insular. But if you yeah. just open up your eyes, just the tiniest bit, you can see little glimpses of absolute devastation across the board and across yeah. the world. Yeah. But, uh, but in theater specifically, it's, it's Here. very sad. Here's uh, a few statistics, and I'm going to give these statistics because I really, here's the thing is I feel like we talk so much about theater um, as a whole, as a group, and we do definitely talk about the actors, we talk mm -hmm. about the directors, the producers. Um, please, let's not forget these are like, these are lives yeah. that have been forever changed by this pandemic. Some of them have lost loved ones. Um, all of them most have lost a majority of their income. I mm -hmm. mean, this is a huge deal. And then, you know, let's not even talk about like the housing crisis that is right. just like slowly oh, unraveling Lordy. as evictions begin. So please, please think about theater, not just as 
this place where you have gone so often to like listen to a cast recording, please, please, I beg of you to think about each and every voice that you enjoyed so much as a person who is suffering right now, who if you are able, there are ways that you can help. Even if you don't have money, there are ways that you can help. Um, just to give you some statistics, 51% of arts organizations have canceled events into September of 2020. 47% of arts organizations have no target date for reopening. 10% of arts institutions are not confident they will survive the pandemic. That would be a loss of 12,000 organizations. 29% of arts organizations have laid off or furloughed staff in 2020, including the Broadway League. This is one, the Broadway League um, is the, the main trade organization for Broadway. They have had to, they had, it was, I believe, about 40% or more of their staff that was furloughed. And about 10 to 20% of those people were, were um, like no longer have jobs, period. They've had to be laid off. So, yeah. broad, you know, please, I beg of you to think about these, these, these people who've brought you so much joy and to, and to um, just really support them in this time. 94% of arts workers report income loss in 2020. 79% of arts workers experienced a decrease in creative work that generated income. 61% of those said they had a drastic decrease. 66% of arts workers are now unable to access the supplies, resources, spaces, or people necessary for their work. Um, these statistics I got from an Instagram called Be an Arts Hero. So that's, ha the handle is at B and A-N Arts Hero. Um, and they're really working hard to uh, build a campaign that's going to speak to the senators so that by August 1st, which is only a few weeks away, um, there will be funding in place for um, people who've worked in the arts because, um, the uh, the um, unemployment runs out at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are going to be in a, in a lot of trouble. Um, so again, if you are on Twitter or Instagram, go to at be an arts hero. Um, you can also go to the website, be an arts They're also giving ways um, where you can contact senators. So please go there, contact, email, call, do whatever you can to really get attention to be paid um, to, to adding them to the next stimulus package. Mm -hmm. um, London just, I'm sorry, not just London, the UK, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, just uh, released a new stimulus package, which actually gave $2 billion to, to um, the theater community. And um, they were shocked. Like the theater community in, in England was absolutely shocked that they got that much money. It was more than they expected. Um, and they were, they were going to be in a really serious trouble. A lot of theaters were going to have to close. I mean, it was going to be absolutely devastated if they didn't get some relief. And so having $2 billion is a huge deal for them. Yeah. Um, so all that to say that... Uh, 
you know, the way that theater here in America is structured is, is obviously much different from the way that it's structured um, in Europe. Um, all that to say that we are a scrappy group and we um, have so long, for so long, sort of functioned outside of the government and um, mm -hmm. functioned on our own because, you know, things like um, the NEA have been slowly sort of defunded. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, really, honestly, the arts community at large has, has felt sort of shunted. I, I think that we in America still have this idea that like it's a it's more of a luxury mm. um, and not essential and it right. is absolutely essential to humanity yes <laughs> having the arts is essential to humanity and to us being uh, and to us being a well-rounded culture like mm -hmm. we cannot be the, the leaders of the free world without having arts. We, yeah. we will not be that. There's nope. no possible way without having the arts community. We absolutely have to support them. Um, and so here's some other ways besides being an arts hero that you can do that. You can go to the Actors Fund and donate. Playwrights Horizons has a bunch of links to help um, theater artists. You can go to the Freelancers Union. They have a website. Um, also go to hashtag save the arts. Uh, what's happening at hashtag save the arts are a lot of people are posting photos of themselves doing the work and then adding hashtag save the arts mm -hmm. um, just to generate sort of word of mouth about all the people who are working in the arts, how important it is. So I, if, if you are somebody who is a, a maker, who is an artist, I encourage you to post a photo of yourself in Twitter or Instagram or on Facebook. I don't know how hashtags work on Facebook, if I'm <laughs> honest, so I don't even know if that's accurate. Yeah. I only know how they work on Twitter and Instagram, but post a photo of yourself doing the work and then add hashtag save the arts. Yep. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Um, New York theater workshops website has a fantastic list of grants, uh, GoFundMes, all kinds of things that you can go to art newyork.org which is um, Art New York, the Alliance of Resident Theaters. They have a bunch of resources there. Uh, the New York Foundation uh, for the Arts has uh, emergency grants. So if you know people who are struggling, who need some help, absolutely go there. Also the website arts.timesquarenyc.org has a ton of awesome resources. We also, will, I'll get a list from you and okay. I will post it when I post this episode as well. So you guys don't have to remember this. We'll have it listed out for you. Go okay. ahead and continue. Uh, and then, and then the last one uh, that I have here, there's a ton more, but is um, brickartsmedia.org. And that is spelled B-R-I-C-A-R-T-S media, M-E-D-I-A.org. And they also have a slew of resources. Again, you can also go to, like I said, beanartshero.com. I There's actually also have an email from a friend of mine about Be an Arts Hero, and it has oh, all of the info. So I will share that as well. Okay. It's, it's awesome. I've been following them for a while and reposting things. Um, and then I just wanted to share a little bit of Jesse Green's 
that article was just really so I'm just going to read um, the end and uh, Pamela and I will just muse our thoughts and that's how we'll end this episode. <laughs> We're very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Through it all, the institutions that might have been expected to promote a larger vision of the importance of theater, the American Theater Wing, the Broadway League, the League of Off-Broadway Theaters and Producers, even the unions, have seemed largely complacent and uncoordinated. For months, I've been waiting for industry groups to galvanize themselves into meaningful action as they did in Britain, and as black theater artists have proved can be done here too. Instead, coronavirus has rendered theater leaders voiceless and useless. Mm-hmm. Even small accommodations to the moment seem beyond their abilities. Plans for ticket refunds and the eventual resumption of performances have been ineptly tossed and fumbled. Or take streaming theater. The promising format, which at least keeps the work of playwrights and actors in front of the public while in-person performance is impossible, yep. ought to be widely embraced as a, as a stopgap measure. Yes. I personally think it should be more as a stopgap measure. I think it should, yes, I know we've talked about that before and we'll yeah. talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Instead, the inability of the parties to create workable new contracts means that most productions can be streamed only briefly and under strict limitations, which is why so many wind up as benefits for the Actors Fund. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be simpler to pay actors directly? <laughs> yes. But the American theater's biggest failure is the one that renders it helpless in an existential crisis like this, in allowing itself to be cast as just another industry, a role it does not even play very well. It has disowned its true identity as a public entitlement. Will anyone make that argument now? Imagine for a moment that Jeffrey Seller, Scott Rudin, and Thomas Schumacher, commercial producers who know a great deal about wrangling concessions, assembled a dream team delegation that also included Lin-Manuel Miranda, Mary McCall, Equity's executive director, Charlotte Tate Martin, the Broadway League's president, Oscar Eustace, the public theater's artistic director, and Todd Hames, the Roundabout Theater Company's chief executive. Bring in regional theater heads like Joseph Hodge at the Guthrie in Minneapolis, and Maria Manuela Goyanis at Woolly Mammoth in Washington. Let Jeff Daniels and Audra McDonald join them as they buttonhole representatives. Have Stephen Adley Gurgis write the script. And if they did not succeed in obtaining relief, they might at least demonstrate, as the British have done with surprising success, that the theater is the crown jewel of our democracy too, not just the beating heart of a dying cash machine. Yes. Yes, Jeffy. Yes. When I read that, I was like, yes, we need a, we need a delegate. Yes, yes. We need all of these people to speak up. This is the problem. And it has been a problem for a long, long time. You have so many different unions and so like it's, it, it, feels very much like producers against the creatives. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. feels very much like cash against creatives. Yeah. Like, and we're, so we're, it's a constant, like a battle where we come to the table and equity's like, we need living wages. And producers are like, fine, you can have living wages, but we can use your likeness whenever we want to. Okay. And then we walk away thinking we're both unhappy and neither of us is one, but, and so, but it's like, it feels that way very much so just kind of across the board. Yeah. And so when this pandemic happened, that did not change. And yeah. I mean, I can speak for, for Actors' Equity because I'm a union member and I have been, you know, watching what they're doing and I have been getting their emails and getting the letters in the mail and they have been very focused on taking care of their actors in a very myopic way. Yeah. Um, that doesn't benefit anybody else. No. And here's the thing. If we want theater to succeed, actors need to succeed. Stage managers need to Everyone. succeed. Producers need to succeed. Directors, Everyone. stage crew, ushers, everybody needs to succeed. That's what theater community. Exactly. It's, yeah. Yeah. And so the fact is we are very self-focused and very insular again, because that is what we know that, you know, our union is our union and these are the people that they are protecting. However, you cannot protect us at the detriment to another part of the theater community. Because, because then you have no fall, work. We all fall. Yeah. 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 If the theaters can no longer exist because they don't have the money to keep the buildings up and running, then we don't have a place to put on those shows. If the producers cannot get money from anywhere in order to put on a show, or here's the thing, if they can get money, but we can't put on a show because we cannot physically be in the same room as each yeah. other, then we all need to come together and figure out what's going to work yeah. for the future. And, and I'm sorry, this is a very unpopular position to take, yeah. but yeah. this pandemic is not just going to disappear. No, it's not. And you can say vaccine all you want to, but we still have to go through testing for that vaccine. And we yeah. still don't have, even if that vaccine works, mm -hmm. we don't know for how long. And we don't know if we're ever going to have one of these pandemics again, because I'll also say that yeah. this coronavirus has now tested, been tested again and has, has changed again enough. Like the proteins on the outside have changed yeah. enough to make it so that it's viable not just through respiratory droplets, but they might be thinking that it could be an airborne disease now. Yeah, I read that. Mm -hmm. So this, these are all things that are very scary. And you, you touched on it, and, and I said we would talk about it later. Here we go. Yeah. For a very long time, I have maybe had an, another very unpopular position to take, but it's a position that I take nonetheless because... I never had the money to go or the time to go and see my Broadway shows whenever I wanted to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so for a very long time, I thought it's not just that I don't have the time because I would make the time if it was also um, a, a genre that I could afford to do monetarily speaking. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's a very expensive thing to go and see. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. by opening up the door to live streaming or to be able to rent the Lincoln Center, you know, performance or the, the performances that have been recorded, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it would still give 
revenue to the people that deserve that revenue, but it would open up to a large portion of people that cannot afford to go and actually sit in those seats, yeah. but that desperately want to be a part of theater. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we've been having a lot of talks about this because there's this incorrect notion that live streaming uh, will cannibalize, will cannibalize live theater and it, it won't. I mean, we've been saying, we've been talking about this a lot in the think tank and like, I mean, you can listen to Beyonce or you can listen to Jay-Z or you can listen to, you know, the Fugees. Might as well talk There's, about them yeah, since sure. I started this podcast with, about <laughs> them, you know. And that doesn't mean you're not going to also buy a ticket to the They're concert. They're still selling them out. They're still selling them out. And, you know, Pamela and I did not grow up in New York City, right? So our way in was listening to the cast recording, mm -hmm. was watching great performances on PBS. Like, this is how we had our inroads yep. to falling in love with the theater, moving to New York City, wanting to be a producer, wanting to be an actor. And, and obviously, obviously, listen to us. It has not cannibalized our no. desire to want to go see live theater. And Absolutely I think like not. this pandemic has really highlighted something that I, that, that, um, you know, it's really highlighted a disconnect with the theater industry and the growth of technology and how we're just so disjointed and mm -hmm. how we're just so archaic in so many ways of thinking about the business of theater. Yeah. And I mean, like, honest to God, it's like why we started the think tank because we we're like, there are other ways of making theater. There are other ways of making theater more accessible. Yes. And also joining with that, there are ways of making it more equitable yes. uh, from an, an ethnic standpoint, from a gender standpoint, from a sexual orientation standpoint. Like, I don't understand why we've been constantly separating the business of theater with the equi equitability. I don't know. Well, oh, I'll right. tell you why. <laughs> because the people that have been in charge since the start don't yeah. want to lose their power. Oh, so totally. They are willing for their, they are willing for what they have to fall absolute into disarray and destruction yeah. because they hold on with their very fingernails the power that they think they have. And the yeah. thing is, if they had simply opened the doors from the very beginning, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. their power would have flourished and yeah. it would have meant so much more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is it will be very interesting to see what happens like i i i deeply feel that uh, everybody i'm telling you please listen to the episode of uh three on the aisle um the young man's name is jeremy's can't remember his last name um <laughs> You're really but, killing it tonight. <laughs> I know, killing it. But listen, <laughs> uh, he he just has such a vision for the fact that, like, you know, this is um, streaming theater is not just a stopgap. Like, we really have to be thinking about new ways of making theater. There are new technologies, yes. and also, like, you know, we have this conversation in the think tank, like. We, if, if the, if the theater community really got 
outside of their little sort of bubble, mm-hmm. started to really think outside of the box, we could push these technology companies to to open up and broaden this technology so that it worked better for live theater. Yes. Like if we actually got behind this in a real way, we could be making some aggressive changes. Um, but like, because people just see it as a stopgap and are mm-hmm. just sort of flip, it's not, you got, it's not, yeah. I'm telling it you, it's be. not, <laughs> it's not. And we, we really have to get on board with like it, not just being a stopgap. I mean, I am hearing from this new crop of, of producer friends. I have some really interesting ideas and things that they're doing and new ways of um, creating live theater cabaret i mean it's it's really interesting and i mean i just think that like this is an opportunity uh to be innovative and stop doing everything the way that it used to be like i i don't know and in my head like i've never been theater has survived so many plagues (laughs) (laughs) you know yes it just, it has. Well, you know what, when this, when the quarantine first happened, there was a meme that was being passed around mm-hmm. that was saying, imagine going through this quarantine without your Netflix, without your books, without your music, and tell me how unimportant and unessential the arts is. That's right. I saw that too. Yes. And yes. it's completely true. When we are at our lowest is when the arts are the most important. The most important. The most important. The Great I mean, Depression, look at- every war we've ever been to. It's so true. The arts have been right at the top of the list. Every president has been like, you know what? Yeah, we'll send money to the troops, but you know what else we need to do? We need to send in Bing Crosby. That's right. <laughs> yes. Bing Crosby. I mean, entertain oh our my troops. Goodness. Marilyn Monroe. I mean, yes. so many, so many men. That's, that's so true. I mean, White Christmas. Yes. Is like, <laughs> There's like, a lot of those musicals yeah. that are based in the wartime that are all yeah. surrounding like the idea of the USO and going out and entertaining our troops mm-hmm. and making sure that because morale the new season of Maisel. everything. Yes. <laughs> I love yeah. Maisel. Maisel was a quarantine fine for me. <laughs> I like really? binged, it with, I binged it within the first week. I thought because I, I never it. told you about it. No, no. I knew about it. It was always okay. on the list. Okay. But the problem with it was because it was on Amazon prime and it is not an app that I ever go to. And so literally it's because not everything is free. So even though I pay yeah. for it, I you know, there are some, I some shows I'm like, Ooh, I want to watch this show. Oh, you have to rent it. Oh, you pieces of crap. I'm never watching you again. And that was where that came from. So <laughs> I usually stick to Netflix and Hulu because they don't give me any surprises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I love Maisel, but mm-hmm. it's, that is exactly what it is. You know, the, the times it, Mrs. Maisel, ha, Miriam has been, is going through a divorce and then she's dealing with all of these other issues that are coming up. And the thing that she does in order to bypass the kind of hardship in her life is to get on that stage and tell yeah. jokes. Yeah. And I will tell you from my perspective, mm-hmm. I do theater because I love it. 
Mm -hmm. but I also know how it makes me feel to watch theater. And I want to do that for other people. Yeah. I want to make people feel something because that is important. I think it's so easy to get caught up and stuck in our heads about the, the stuff that we're going through in our lives. And all of us are dealing with some real crap right now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so important to just find something that makes you feel that, and you can just disappear into it for just a little bit of time because then you can come back and feel like, okay, I can handle something now. Yeah. And that's true of books and that's true of music. And that is very, and also, I will also say, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I love, and I will also say, (laughs) I say that a lot. We should get (laughs) t-shirts or masks. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. (laughs) That when TV first came out, the movie industry was terrified that TV was going to take over and that their jobs were going to be destroyed. And what happened both of them became so much more popular than anybody yeah. ever imagined. So the same is going to be true of the Broadway as well. Yeah. The Broadway. The I Broadway. That I just said that <laughs> unironically. That same is going to be true of the Broadway, where if you open it up and you make it accessible to more people and make it yeah. representative of more people, yeah. Yeah. more people will take advantage of it. Yeah. And yeah. more people will love it and more people will come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he made such a great point. And, and what was so wonderful about that interview as well is that, you know, um, one of the theater critics is like all about streaming and really does think it's the wave of the future. The other two, not so much. Okay. And so when he goes on there, I mean, he, they're not a hundred percent converted, but it sort of opens their mm-hmm. minds and opens their eyes in a way that they weren't necessarily willing to yeah. sort of do before. And, um, they, I mean, hopefully they will bring him back, but mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they, they all said, you know, uh, you know, you should come back. But, but like I said, one, I think it was Peter Marks who should, I mean, he is like, streaming's the wave of the future like mm-hmm. he's like it's so good i mean you know really open-minded being really smart about it and the other two were like i don't know i don't think it's gonna i'm do you know here's the issue and so interesting thing that i've been uh held captive by as well yeah there's this you immediately kind of go yeah that's a great idea but then you think logistically, how would we do it? And can the technology support it? And right now the answer is no. No. But that is why I think if you had the theater voices along with the technology voices yeah. and you met in the middle and said, this, how, do, how can we make this happen? Yeah. There are people that are thinkers like that. Yeah. That can do it. But I can also understand why they're skeptical because, yeah, but how would you do it? Like how? Well, I mean, and, and that's the thing, right, is like, we as theater people, we're not, we, we're not coders, like we, right. we didn't make Zoom, right? No. So <laughs> we have to ta- tell the people who mm-hmm. know what they're doing in this platform, because we know what we're doing in the theater platform. Yes. So the only way to make change is to get together and say, how can we make this thing happen? Because yeah. actors need to work, musicians need to work. Producers need to work. Writers need to work. Stage, like everybody needs work. Yeah. So if everyone needs to be working, 
we need to come together and figure out how we can make that happen because yes. we all need to make money and we all need to make sure people can pay their rent and everybody wants entertainment because yes. they're sitting at home or locked in this place. And you're right. It's not getting better. I mean, look at the numbers. A lot of states are just doing so horribly. Oh, Florida. So horribly. Talking to you, Arizona. I mean, what? Yeah. Arizona and Florida yeah. and Texas. Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh, Not doing great. So I think that like, it, it's just such a good time to, mm -hmm. to have new ideas and, um, yeah. And, I, I and, think and we also, need to not be afraid of it. There's no risk of having those new ideas right now. Because, and failing. Right. So you fail. Big whoop-de-doo. Like Figure it in, out. This is the perfect opportunity for you to fail. Yeah, it really Because is. it doesn't matter. No. There's no precedent for it. Right. So it's not like somebody's going to judge you up, up against anyone else. Try it. Fail miserably. Figure out what you failed right. at. And do it better. And, and honestly, the only way you know how to get better is to fail. It really is. And so the, this whole, this, I think it's an American thing. It might be a Maybe. worldwide thing, but like this fear of failure is such a, a terrible thing to teach our children. Yeah, it really because is. Because failing is the only way you can succeed. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm afraid to fail, that means I'm afraid to try. And if yeah. I'm afraid to try, I will never succeed. Right. And I will fall on whatever the safe option is and I will be miserable for the rest of my life. And I don't want to do that. Yeah, same. The great, the, I heard the, the richest place, and I've probably said this before, the richest place on earth is, is the cemetery. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, so much, so much talent, so much wasted talent. And if you never, you never shared it with anybody. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so sad to me, the stories that you're right, that go right into the ground. Yeah. I want to yeah. hear those stories because Same. those stories, the, this is what I love and also am, am just so disturbed by, especially now because all of these kind of stories are coming to the forefront now, but the idea that Native Americans mm -hmm. told their stories from generation to generation. Yeah. And we came in and completely decimated that. Yeah. And so now they don't even have their full history because we came in and tried to civilize them. And we came in and tried to like gentrify them, which is just the most ridiculous thing in the whole entire world. And so it makes me so sad yeah. and so angry and upset for them mm -hmm, as a mm -hmm. people to yeah. have lost that. But also it's so fascinating to me that they, you know, they just kind of picked up where they left off and moved forward from that point. And they're still generationally telling their stories. And I yeah. just, I love that idea. And I want to hear those stories and I want to learn them and I want to be able to pass them on to someone else. I want them, I want there to be a stage version of something like that. I want to yeah. see that and I want to feel. And here's the thing too. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I started her off, guys. That is know, just like know, pulling one of those toy cords and it just goes. <laughs> <laughs> but you love me. I do. Um, <laughs> you know, theater does make you feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the absence of that, of those stories, the absence of that representation allows for the supremacy of 
white America, the supremacy of male America. It allows for that to happen because we are not given the whole story. This goes back to the textbook issue, but it also goes to to the idea, to the very core of theater and storytelling as a whole is that we are not telling the full story. We are telling yeah. our version of the story. That's right. And That's for right. some reason, it becomes the most important. Right. And that should not be. Right. Because I can guarantee you, I will be just as moved hearing an indigenous person's story yeah. or an African descent person's story mm-hmm. or someone from China telling their story yeah. as I would be from hearing a person whose story is very similar to my own and I already know. Yeah. We've already heard those stories. I don't want to hear those anymore. I mean, yeah, there's a place for them. I'm not saying to get rid of them altogether. What I'm saying is we need to open up the space and allow for different stories and different voices to be heard. Yeah. And that will offer the opportunity of empathy to be learned as well. Yeah, Because that is something that is severely lacking. And that right now, that lack of empathy is at the very forefront of why Arizona and Oklahoma and Texas and Florida are failing so badly. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Because there's no compassion and there's no empathy. It's, it's, oh, I mean, those who lack... Those who lack the most empathy also tend to be the loudest. So unfortunately, (laughs) um, there are a lot of people who do have and are wearing their masks and are trying hard to love people well and are trying to do the right thing. And I, um, I mean, some people think there are more of those than the other I don't know. I just know I can control me. That's what I yeah. know I can control. <laughs> well, and I will say too that, but, that love and empathy and showing that compassion is much more silent than complaining about having to wear yeah. a mask. I literally read, I just read before we got on this, um, this recording, someone said, love is quieter <laughs> than anger. And I was like, well, yeah. You know, and that's why we know who's angry more than we know who's loving people well, because love is just quieter. You just do it. It's like, you know, we've been talking about that forever. Karen's voice is the loudest because, (laughs) well, did you see the Karen um, act? Yes. And I'm living for it. I'm living, (laughs) But, but you look at it. You know, I think, I think the Karen movement, if it was a movement, I yeah. think it was a subversive movement. I don't think anyone planned on it being one, but here it is. <laughs> yeah. It started out of frustration of women not having a voice, but now it has become something that it was never meant to be. It didn't start out that way, but now it's become that where now it's like, you didn't listen when I was asking you for something nice. So now I'm going to demand what I want and when I want it and, you know, damn the consequences. And and that is where I think we need to be really intentional Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about what it is we're, we're speaking to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, guys, (laughs) (laughs) it's, I, I just, yeah. Thank you for sticking around. And, um, you know, I, I feel we've left you with more hope than sadness because there's a we we're very hopeful about the theater. Oh, yeah. Like I'm just not worried. 
No. I'm just not worried about the theater. It's going to look radically different. And again, that's good. That's a good thing. Theater always needs to change and to adapt. And, and I think it is, it is well past time well for past. that to have occurred. Yeah. And we can't, and, and the idea of having two black people in a cast and saying that's diverse, that <laughs> time has ended. Yeah. We, we can no longer fall back on that as being the thing that makes us outstanding in diversity. That's yeah. just, I mean, that's just a cop out. When we get to a point where we are telling stories and there are black people and Asian people and white people and gay people and trans people all on the stage together mm-hmm. and nobody's commenting on it. Yeah. That is when we have won. That is the change that we totally. need. And the and- only way that we're going to get there is by listening to those people stories and telling them there um this is my last note but i've talked about this before (laughs) yeah um back when uh the 2016 toadies were up were approaching and eclipsed was on broadway and hamilton was on broadway and shuffle along was on broadway um there's this Hollywood Reporter interview that you can watch on YouTube and Lynn's on there and I believe Denai is on there and I think Leslie is on there as well. And there's, and, and so is Cynthia because also A Color Purple was on there. Oh yeah, that was a good year. It was a fantastic year. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Not to, I'm like, I hope that like, but here was the thing, right? So it was that awesome year. So I think the gin game was that year too. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was just like with, um, with, um, Cicely Tyson and James mm-hmm. Earl Jones. I mean, it was just Ugh. like bananas good. Yeah. A bananas good year. But here was the thing. It was a bananas good year. Yeah. Okay. One season. Right. So they, they, it's June. They're in this interview. Of course, the interviewer asked this question. Do you think, you know, looking at these shows that, you know, uh, theater is becoming more diverse and I, <laughs> Can I, I mean, everyone knows all the people I just mentioned. I'm a huge fan of, I love Denai. I love, um, Lapita, I think was on there. So maybe it wasn't Denai. I think actually Lapita was on there. Lynn, Leslie, all of them were like, uh, okay, wait a minute. Uh, we're too quick to begin to pat ourselves on the back and be like, we fixed it. I mean, look, look at all the black people. That's just not, they're like, let's see how the next few seasons go. And Lapita said, she said, once we are able to no longer comment on it because it is just happening all the time, that's when we know we've actually done something. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly to what Pamela just said. Like, that's to your point is like, we see like, you know, five or six brown shows and we're all thinking like, we well, fixed and it. Just it too. <laughs> and you're, one you're season and the next season, it's as white as a piece of paper. Yes. And you're just like. But even with the brown shows, that still doesn't show the diversity. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I no. mean, it's heading in the right direction. <laughs> but come on, there are more than just two colors in this world. It's just really like true. there are more than just two genders in this world. Yeah. And the moment that we finally are like, okay, fine. Yes, people can be who they are and what they are, and I'm willing to listen without judgment. That is when we can finally, you know, like succeed in this world. But I think that too is like it's so difficult for individual people to even allow someone to be who they are, who they are, not me. 
It's not my life. It's right. your life. And yeah. I have something wrong with your life. Like that's not Excuse for me. me to say. Right. That's what frustrates me. It's like, shut it. You're, 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 <laughs> and I feel like it, it, there's all of these kind of tactics to point the direction somewhere else where it looks good on us, but then you've got behind the camera, everything else is like in total disarray and disorder. And yeah. you're, uh, <laughs> this is, I think this is the, and, and this will be the last thing. Cause if you just keep me going, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I keep pulling the cord and she I keeps know, going. I'm sorry. <laughs> because I was talking with my dad earlier tonight and he was, you know, we were talking about theater. We were talking about diversity. We were talking about, you know, all of this stuff. And I said, there, my skeptic, the skeptical part of me comes out because in order to fix a problem this large, yeah. You have to take it down to the bare bones and oh, build yeah. it up from scratch. Oh, totally. You got to rip it out by its root. But who's going to be willing to do that? Right. And the idea of doing it is so overwhelming that you're like, you know, and instead of doing that, you know, like if I bought a brand new house and the, in, you know, the, not investigator, who am I talking about? The inspector. Appraiser. Inspector. Thank you. That's better. <laughs> the investigator. Anyway, the inspector comes <laughs> Too much through. long order. I know, right? And he's <laughs> like, so, okay, you need a new foundation. Um, the siding on the house is falling apart. You've got termites and you need a brand new roof. So that's essentially the entire house. Yeah. I'm not going to buy that house. Right. But if I didn't have an inspector come through and I just bought the house from the very beginning, then I might be... Um, tempted mm -hmm. to just put a Band-Aid on it because I made the mistake in buying it without the inspector going through and telling me all of these issues. And so now yeah. I'm kind of stuck with it. And I, you know, I can't really afford to tear it down and build a new house. And it's not really worth it anyway. It'd be worth more if I just burned it to the ground. Right. But that doesn't help me. You know, it's, it's a very difficult position that we're all being put in, but if we all can kind of come around that fact that it is all of us that are in this together, mm -hmm. I think maybe it might be a little bit easier. I don't know. Listen, well, I mean, I, I think this pandemic has put us in a place where like, you know, these shows I listed are projecting a spring opening, but like, you know, my sister and I were having this conversation because her um, fiance is a pathology doctor mm. and she's like, I mean, realistically, a vaccine isn't for, you know, from when they first started. So when they first started trying to make one, March, April, yeah. 18 to 24 months. So these shows are projecting, you know, spring, summer, 2021. But I mean, realistically, it's not realistically, that may not, that's probably not going to happen. Like there's some talk here and there about September, but then also you have a bunch of anti-vaxxers. Yeah. You've so even if there's a vaccine, like you can't, you can't make people take it. You know, yeah. I, the thing is like, you, he, here's, here's the thing. I'm just going to like leave. <laughs> I'm going to leave on this note. I'm actually going to leave on this note. <laughs> this, <laughs> we have no idea what's going to happen, yeah. right? We have no idea what's going to happen. 
all we can think about and the place we've been put in is taking it one day at a time mm-hmm. and like frozen too, because I've gone down that docu-series rabbit hole. <laughs> do the next right thing. Yeah. Right? And so that's what we can do is we can only do the next right thing. And so I, I really believe for those of you out there that are innovators, like now is the time to begin to innovate. Like if you have new ideas, these are the time, this is the time to birth them. Yeah. But you need to be thinking outside of the box and outside of these old systems. Right. Because if things do take 18 to 24 months, I think a lot of the root pulling I've been talking about, it's going to have no choice but to happen because from a financial standpoint, from a business standpoint, a lot of these systems we're used to are just going to crumble. They just yeah. will. Yes. Um, so really be thinking about how you can be supporting um, actors, writers, stage managers, all of the people who make theater, take all of the websites we've talked about, take all of uh, social media, mm-hmm. your senators, call people, email me, email people. I mean, you can email us if you have questions because like we do that, but just really get out there and make some stuff happen. Um, and stop. Don't think about the way that things worked before, because I'm telling you, yeah, everything's about to change and it's extremely exciting. I'm so excited to see where this is going to be. I really (laughs) am so excited. This is where the hope comes in because it is exciting. Like this is, this is new. This is fresh. And this is, this should really excite everybody. This should like wake us all up and to be like, okay, all right. I don't know what the future holds. And that's (laughs) like, that's exciting. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Yeah. It's good. It's good, guys. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Pamela will have those links put up for you Mm -hmm. so you can go there and the um, social media handles. We love you. Get excited. Yes. Don't be sad. It's all good. Get creative and like get a mask on. Oh, please do. (laughs) Put a mask on. Wear a mask. Please. I love you. Bye. Hashtag wear a mask. Wear a freaking mask. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.